Well, how many of you glad that the Lord's got a plan for your life? Amen. Amen. Last week, we started a brand new series we're calling Essentials, which is basically uh, a series talking about things that are most important to our spiritual walk. You know, in the natural, there are certain things that are essential. How many of you know you have to have air? You have to have food, right? You have to have water. You can't survive without it. Those are essential to living. And there's some spiritual essentials that, you know, you can't just go to church, saints. We, gotta, we got some essentials that we got to get under our belt. Amen? So we can live a healthy and a vibrant and a strong life. Do y'all believe that this morning? And so last week we talked about uh, the first and the foremost thing that we need essentially in our life is the need to worship. How many of you know we got to worship? We need to worship. And, and the first and the foremost commandment that the Lord gave us was the instructions about the importance of worship. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says that for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Somebody said, you know, if we don't worship the Lord, it's not that we'll worship nothing. It's that we'll worship anything. And how many of you know if you worship anything, if you worship God's creation instead of the creator, you're going to get in trouble. It'll bring you in the ditch. Amen. And so God emphasizes the importance of worship, not because he's on a power trip and he needs somebody giving him homage. No, he loves us. And he doesn't want us to live in the ditch. And so he says, before anything else, essentially in your Christian walk, you need to make sure to worship the Lord. Amen? And so now this morning, we're going to talk about a second essential in the Christian faith, and that's walking in the will of God. How many of you know we need to walk in the will of God? Again, of all the essentials of living a healthy, vibrant Christian life, you got to walk in the will of God. Amen. And so why is walking in the will of God so important? Why is that a big deal? Well, let's just talk a little bit about that. Number one, it positions you to receive God's promised blessings. Look in this verse in Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse 35. And this is what it says. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now notice the connection between what God has promised and the will of God. And so the author of Hebrews says, you need to persevere in doing the will of God. Because when you persevere in doing the will of God, you're going to receive what he has promised. How many of you know the will of God is littered with God's blessings? And if you stay on the path of the will of God, you're going to experience the blessings of God. But if you get off into the woods, that's not where God's blessings are. Amen? So the more we walk in the will of God, the more we can experience the blessings of God. Amen. That's a, that's a motivation. That's enough motivation right there for us to desire the will of God. Don't you agree? But listen, and, and he also says it will strengthen our relationship with Jesus. How many of you know it's important that you have a strong relationship with Jesus? 
Remember that story about the man who built, the two men that built their houses on the, on the rock. And, and, and they both went through a storm. Only one man's house stayed strong. And if you got a personal and an intimate and a strong relationship with Jesus, it's not that you're not going to go through storms. I promise you, you will go through storms. Jesus told us we would. But the, the difference between somebody who stays close to Jesus is they're going to make it through their storm. And I know you want to make it through your storm. Amen. But in Mark chapter 3 in verse 31, he says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. Apparently he was inside ministering and his brothers and his, his mother and his brothers were outside. And, and, and verse 32, there was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. And then look at verse 35. He says, anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, you know, I know we live in a broken world today, but normally your immediate family, your, your close blood family, there's an affinity, there's an affection, there's a love for your personal family that's greater than those that live down the road. And Jesus is saying, listen, as much as I love my mother and my brother, I love those who do the will of my father. I love, I tell you, these are the ones I look to as my close friends, those that do the will of my father. How many of you think that's important? He compares those who follow his will to his own, his own personal family members. Number three, a third reason why it's important that we do the will of God is this. It solidifies our eternity. Now look at this passage of scripture, Matthew 7. Most of you are there, but in Matthew 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, did you catch that in verse 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what he says. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I think the will of God is important because it prepares you and qualifies you and solidifies your eternity. How many of you want to go to heaven? Let me tell you the option. Hell. How many of you want to go to heaven? Amen. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Amen. And he says you got to do his will if you want to go there. So doing the will of God is what qualifies you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you know, he says, he says, listen, don't get confused. He said, some people will say, man, I prophesied. I prophesied. I said things that came true. I even cast out demons. He said, don't get, don't get too wrapped up in all of that. You just make sure you're doing the will of God because people will cast out devils and they will prophesy. And he said, whenever they die and they come in my presence, I'm going to say, I don't have a clue who you are. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to hear those words. Amen. Now, what is the will of God? What is that? Well, we could say a lot of things, but I believe it's living your life 
to fulfill his desires, his purposes, and his plan for our life. That's what the will of God is. It's doing what God wants us to do, wants us to do with our life. I'm going you know, that's pretty basic. God's will is to do what he wants us to do. Amen? And so it's not complicated. But listen, the will of God is far-reaching. There is there the sovereign will of God, and that's what God's doing all over the earth. But then there is the written will of God. How many of you know the Bible is laced with the will of God? But then there is the personal will of God and God, what God desires for my personal life. And so there's the sovereign will of God, what God wants to do on the globe. But I don't need to be so much worried about that as much as I'm worried about the, my personal, the, God's personal will for my life. Are y'all with me? And so the more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the written will of God, the more I can walk in the personal will of God. Amen. The more I walk in the personal will of God, the more I will experience the blessings in a healthy, vibrant Christian life. Amen. Now, Romans chapter 12 and verse two says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, you know, there's two places we can live concerning the will of God. First of all, there's the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is, is God's intentional will for our lives. It's living our lives exactly how he intends for us to live our lives. How many of you know he's got a will for us? Amen. But then there's the permissive will of God. The permissive will of God, that's the place God will allow us to live but it's not exactly what he wants our desires for our lives. And so it's not his perfect will for our lives. And so we don't want to live in God's permissive will. We want to live in his perfect will. Permissive will, for example, is this. God will allow us to choose the lifestyle we want to live. He'll, he'll give us the free will to choose that or behave like we want. But it's not necessarily the lifestyle he wants us to live. It's not the behavior he wants us to live. And God is not on a power trip where he'll come and twist our arm behind our back until it hurts us enough where we'll kneel down and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do your will. How many of you know that? No, he's a gentleman. And he gives us this thing called free will. And he says, now you do with it what you want, but I suggest that you do my perfect will. Amen? Now, walking in the perfect will of God should be the goal of every believer. Why? Because it's littered with God's blessings. It's where his blessings flow. It's where you can experience the greatest peace in your life, the greatest joy in your life. Amen? Come on, are y'all tracking with me? You know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, the, the will of God, trying to explain this. You know, if I could just like encourage people to, to do the will of God as much as I can. And I thought, you know, walking in the will of God is walking in the sweet spot of life. It's walking in the sweet spot. And I was thinking about the sweet spot. And I played baseball for, for many years whenever I was young. And, and, you know, the coach said, hey, try to hit the ball on the sweet spot of the bat. 
You know, there's a sweet spot on the bat. And so, you know, if you hit the ball on the tip of the bat, it's rounded there and it's not going to go where you want it to go. There's no telling where it's going to go. And if you hit it too close to your hands on the bat, that's the skinny part. That's not the sweet spot. It could break the bat. You don't have much momentum there. It's not going to go very far. But listen, if you hit that ball on the sweet spot of the bat, Boom, it's liable to go over the fence. You're liable to hit a home run, amen. So if you hit the ball on the sweet spot, you're gonna have better success. And I believe doing the will of God is like hitting the ball on the sweet spot of the bat. You got more trajectory. You got more power in your life. You can knock it over the fence, amen. Are y'all with me? Some of you, maybe you didn't get that. Let me give you another illustration. The will of God, the will of God, it's the sweet spot, but it's also the honey hole. How many of you ever went fishing before? You ever went fishing? You know, years ago, Tanya, there was a family in the church that had a camp and they invited us to use their camp. And man, I mean, it was, a, it was really nice because they had their own boat. They had it parked there uh, and they said, listen, you know, we want you to use the camp. You can use the boat. You just show up with your clothes and you could just use everything we have. Wow. What a, what a blessing. But not only that, it didn't end there. They said, look, y'all come early and we're going to go show you our honey hole. Oh, glory to God. Come on, y'all feel the anointing right now? And so they took us in the boat and they went show us the honey hole. Now there was a lot of water out there, but there's one particular place and in the ground, it was deep in this particular, and there was a couple of different places that came out of the marsh and there was this hole with two or three places that would feed this thing. And then that's where the fish hung out. And so they said, look, you drive up to the honey hole and you anchor your boat right here and you throw right there and you use this hook and you use this bait and you do, you just throw it right over there and you just wait a while and you're going to catch you some fish. And Tiny and I would go to the honey hole and we always caught fish. We, we pulled catfish, drum, redfish, trout, all kinds of different fish. And we would just smile real big. It's called the honey hole. Amen. Now, listen, some people are trying to fish throughout life and they out there and they can't catch nothing because they're not in the sweet spot. They're not in the honey hole of life. But when you do the will of God, it's like getting on the honey hole. You're bound to catch something. You're bound to get blessed of God. You're bound to receive God's grace in your life. Amen. Come on. I'm getting excited just preaching about it. Amen. Come on. How many of you want to do the will of God? I hope you do because that's the point. Walking in the will of God is essential to living. It's essential to living the blessed life, the vibrant life, the strong life, the life that is filled with the peace and the joy of the Lord. And so then the question then is then how do we walk in the will of God? Let's talk about that for a moment. Walking in the perfect will of God, how many of you know, is not automatic. You don't just stumble into the will of God. I believe it takes concerted effort on our part to walk in the will of God. And as we look at this a little bit, I think you will agree with me. But listen, there's some non-negotiables to walking in the will of God. I mean, there's things that you have to do if you want to walk in the will of God. And the first non-negotiable is this. You have to take time to learn the Bible. 
if you want to walk in the will of God. You don't have to learn the Bible. You don't have to know the Bible to go to heaven. You don't have to know a thing about the Bible. unless All you need to know is that you need to have your sins forgiven. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you can go to heaven. Amen? And you can live in the, in the permissive will of God all your life. But I'm telling you, if you want to walk in the perfect will of God, the path that's littered with God's blessings, you need to learn the Bible. You can't walk in the perfect will of God without it. Listen to what this verse says. Psalm 119, 105 says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, I heard somebody say, you know, listen, God's word is not a spotlight. He's not going to show you where you're going to be 10 years from now. He's showing you where you need to be right now. Amen. And so walking in the will of God without the Bible It's like trying to walk through the woods without a flashlight in the middle of the night. How many of you know if you walk through the woods in the middle of the night without a light, you're going to run into a tree and spiders. You're liable to step in a hole and fall in a pit somewhere. Amen. You're liable to get lost. You need a light if you're going to walk through the woods in the middle of the night. And all the hunters said... Amen. Yes, you do. You're bound to get in trouble if you don't have a light. Well, God's word is like having a flashlight helping you walk through the woods of life. And it'll keep you from running into a tree. It'll keep you out of the holes of life. It'll keep you from getting lost in life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And so listen, the important question to ask, before making any major decision, any decision in your life, you should ask this question. Does the Bible say anything about this decision I'm about to make? Does the Bible have anything to say about it? You see, I'm afraid that too many Christians are making decisions and living their life and they're not consulting the owner's manual of life. They're not using the flashlight of God's word to walk in the woods. Amen. Come on, are y'all with y'all help me preach this morning? Listen, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You see, if we realize the Bible addresses directly or indirectly most every decision we have to make. And and Paul's telling Timothy, if we will apply ourselves and if we will learn the Bible, the Bible if we take the responsibility to learn it, the Bible will help keep us on the perfect will of God. How can you stay on the path when you don't even know what the path is? That's quite hard, isn't it? And so you got to know. It's Listen, it's the word of God that kept Jesus in the will of God. And if Jesus needed the word of God, I think you and I need the word of God. Whenever he was in the, the most uh, difficult time of his life and he was facing the cross, whenever he was tempted to just abandon the will of God and do his own thing, like, man, this is tough. I can't do this anymore. The word of God kept him there, amen? In Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, 
It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Amen. Now listen, whenever the tempter came to try to get Jesus off of the will of God, it was the word of God that helped him stay on the will of God. And I'm telling you, the tempter that was there when Jesus was there in the wilderness is the same tempter that is here today. And he will always try to get us off the path. He will try to get us off the sweet spot, the honey hole. And it's the word of God that'll keep you right where you need to be. Amen. Listen, people often ask, how can I know what's God's perfect will for my life? And they're looking for some message like in heaven or, you know, in the mail or something from God. This is my perfect will. But listen, you know, 90 to 95 percent of all you need to know about the perfect will of God is right there in the Bible. It's right there. So if you learn and obey the Bible, you'll be well on your way to living the perfect will of God. Are y'all with me? Are y'all tracking with me? So you see, you don't have to learn the Bible. No. You can go to heaven without knowing anything about the Bible. But if you want to be in the perfect will of God, I think it's a non-negotiable. You have to learn the word of God. If you got it, say, I got it. A second non-negotiable to walk in, in the perfect will of God is this. Follow the path of peace. Follow the path of peace. In John 14, 27, this is what Jesus said. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How many of you know one of the blessings of being a Christian is you can live with peace in your life? You can have peace in your life. Oh, come on. Anybody experienced that since you've been a Christian? You can have peace. Listen, you know, I told you the story. Whenever I got filled with the Spirit, I, I was just like, man, I was, I was you know, dry, Sunday, Sunday driving, you know, cruising around. I had so much peace. I didn't realize I had so much turmoil. But when you become a Christian, the peace of God comes on you. And you need to follow that peace. Remember, God's will is the path of peace. So any decision or step in your journey that takes you out of God's peace, listen, it's a strong indication that you shouldn't take that step or make that decision. Come on, are y'all with me? You see, but I think sometimes our relationship with God is so superficial it, it's, it's so superficial that we forget about the peace that's on the inside of us. Listen, sometimes, you know, listen, we, re, we rely on just going through the motions of Christianity, like just showing up at church. Well, listen, that's scratching the surface. Come on, we got to walk in the peace of God. Come on, y'all help me preach. Y'all just got too quiet right there. Amen? It's, listen, you got to follow. Listen, 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Amen. You got to follow peace. If you're confused about a decision and, and you don't have peace about it, wait on God. Don't make that decision. How many of you know it's whenever you don't wait on that peace and you make decisions in a hurry that you make the wrong decisions. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So following God's path of peace will keep you from making bad decisions. Let me say that one more time. Following the path of peace will keep you from making bad decisions. Amen. I need to unpack it a little bit more. I can tell. So let me, let me unpack it. Whenever you're driving in Lafayette, in the traffic, 
and you lose your peace, you just step right outside of the will of God. It's either your attitude or your behavior or something. You just step right outside. Come on, y'all understand that, don't y'all? Yeah, so listen, if you have to sacrifice your peace to go somewhere or to do something, it's a strong indication. You probably shouldn't be there. You, shouldn't, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Now listen, God gives you the free will. You can do whatever you want. You're an adult. You can do it. Most of you in here are adults. So you can do whatever you want. But do you want to be on the path of blessing? There's always a price to pay. Listen, you know, I thought I had to quit having fun to be a Christian. Because everything related to me having fun, I had to be high. I had to, I had to be, I had to have something in my system that just dealt with all the, all the internal stuff for me to be able to have fun. But how many of you know there's always a price to pay? How many of you know if you get caught and you're drunk, it's not good? Amen. Amen? How many of you know you keep doing drugs long enough, it's not good? Come on. How many of you know if you hang around the dogs, you're going to get fleas? Amen. Are y'all with me out there? So it's a lot better to rely on the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension to be in your life and not need those external things and just have the peace of God and stay on the right path. Amen. Somebody needs to hear that today. God's not going to twist our arms. He's not going to make us do it. He's just trying to help us. Amen. So the second non-negotiable is follow the path of peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. You stay in the path of peace and you increase your chances of living in the will of God and walking in His perfect will. A third non-negotiable to walk in the perfect will of God is cultivating a desire to walk in His perfect will. You know, some of us at some point in life will come to a crossroads and we'll have to make a life-altering decision and and... We won't know what to do. How, how many of you ever been there? Well, you got to make a decision. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I wish there was a chapter and verse that says, Todd, do this, Todd, do that. But sometimes it's not like that. And you got to make a huge decision and you're not sure what to do. Well, if we don't know what to do, we can ask the Lord. And he'll help us figure out what to do. And that's what, listen, if you've ever come to a place that you don't know what God's will is, you can ask him, God, what is your will? What is your will? And I think he wants to reveal his will. But how many of you know, if you don't even desire it, you'll never get it. There has to be a wanting inside of us to do the will of God. And James says in 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So James is saying, if you don't know what to do, just ask God through prayer. Lord, I want to stay in your perfect will. Would you help me to make the right decision here? How many of you know the Lord wants to help us? He does. If you want to know and stay in the perfect will of God, you got to pray and ask God to help you. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9. He says, remember the Lord's prayer. He said, you should pray, our Father, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worship. And then the next verse says, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. Now listen, how important is the will of God that the Lord would say you should pray about it every day? You should pray about it every day. 
He was teaching the disciples to pray. And he taught the disciples, you should worship every day and you should pray, Lord, above all else, would you make sure I'm doing your will? Your will in heaven. Let it be done on the earth. And you know what I think? I think the Lord has a plan for each and every one of our lives. He's already decided the number of our days. He's already decided the path that he wants us to be on because he wants us to experience the, the greatest measure of blessing that life can bring. But it's on his will. And so we should pray, Lord, your will in heaven. Even though I think I might should go this way, I want to go the way that you say, because I know your way is going to be better than my way. Amen. Amen. How many of you would agree that for yourself, that the Lord's way would be better than your way? Amen. Well, if you don't believe that, when you hit the wall, rethink that. Amen. Because the Bible says all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us tend to get off the beaten path. So we should pray and ask the Lord, Lord, your will be done in my life. Amen? Jesus overcame his greatest challenge to fulfilling the will of God whenever he prayed. In Matthew 26, 39, the Bible says, whenever he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was facing the cross and he said this, and he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And see, listen, there'll be times in our life when our flesh won't want to do the will of God. Our flesh will want to do what it wants to do. And it's through prayer that we'll have the grace, we'll get the strength to overcome the temptation of the enemy and overcome the temptation of our flesh that wants to do the easy thing, wants to do the thing that's most comfortable and appealing to the flesh. It's only through prayer when we receive the strength and the power of God that we can do like Jesus did, make the right choice. How many of you would agree Jesus made the right choice whenever he went to the cross? Aren't you glad he stayed on the will of God? Aren't you glad he did the will of the Father? If he hadn't done the will of the Father, we wouldn't be here today, amen? So praise be to God that he did the will of the Father. And listen, he's saying, now you do it. Now you do it. You do the will of the Father. Amen? And the fourth and final non-negotiable to walking in the perfect will of God is this. Keep your heart right with God. Keep your heart right with God. How many of you know that's most important? At the heart of the will of God is a heart that is right with God. At the heart of the will of God is a heart that is right with God. You can't do the will of God without having your heart right with God. Amen? The greatest challenge to doing the perfect will of God is doing my will. That's the greatest challenge. Y'all don't, what about y'all? What about y'all? The greatest challenge to doing the will of God is doing my will. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. How many of you know your whole life follows your heart? If you got a heart for old classic cars, man, you spot them everywhere. Every, your whole body's gravitated towards that. Amen? Whatever it is that's really you're passionate about, that your heart is aflame for, your whole life follows that. That's why the bride of Proverbs says, guard your heart. Because out of it flows all the issues of life. Everyone in this room, we have a passion. 
We have something that's burning in our heart. And our whole life will follow that. So he says, guard your heart. So let me just suggest a couple of things we have to guard from to be in the perfect will of God. You have to guard your heart against rebellion. Rebellion. Rebellion, what is that? It's when you refuse to submit to any kind of authority. Because ultimately, it includes God's authority. And the bottom line is some people really have a hard time recognizing and submitting to authority. How many of you think that's probably true? The Bible calls that rebellion. And 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft or divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being Cain. Now, most of you know what this, what this verse is talking about here. It's talking about King Saul that refused to follow the authority of God and wanted to do his own thing, and it cost him his kingship. That's where David came into play. God initially chose Saul to, be, to, to fulfill the role that David did, but David rebelled against authority, and he lost his kingship. How many of you know there's always a high price to pay when you don't deal with rebellion in your heart? Amen? Amen? So we have to guard against it, and we have to recognize it. And there's authority set up all over. There's authority set up here at church. You don't have to recognize it. You don't have to honor it. You could do what you want. There's authority out there whenever you get on the streets. You don't have to submit to it. You don't have to follow it. But look out if you don't. Amen? Look out if you don't. There is authority. God has set up authority everywhere. You can't live life without finding authority somewhere. He designed it that way. And if you recognize that all authority that God has set up is ultimately helping you to learn how to submit to his authority. Whenever you're growing up in a family and you learn to submit to your parents, it's learning how to submit to authority. Amen. When you stop at the red light, it's learning how to submit to authority and keeping your life safe too. Amen. But ultimately, it's submitting to the authority of God. And when we learn to submit to the authority of God, we're going to be in good shape. We have to guard not just against rebellion, but also stubbornness. Stubbornness. That means to resist commands or instructions. It's having an unwillingness to yield or change. And the bottom line is God has some strong-willed, hard-headed, stubborn children. I can't give you a verse for that, but I, I, you know, you're tracking with me, right? Most of y'all know whenever somebody called you hard-headed, you knew exactly what that meant. But listen, honestly, some of us, you know, the blessing, the strength that we have is we just won't give up. We won't stop. We're going to push through until something falls. But listen, some of us that have that strong willingness to push through, Along with that strength is a weakness called stubbornness. And stubbornness, listen, stubbornness is to resist instruction. It's not, not being willing to change. And whenever you're not willing to yield or you're willing to change, it gets you in trouble. Romans 2 and 5 says, but you are so stubborn. 
You refuse to change. So you are making your own punishment greater and greater. Oh my goodness. See, the problem with stubbornness, it'll keep you from receiving instructions and learning. It'll keep you from making the changes necessary in your life to getting and staying in the perfect will of God. Does that make sense? So he's, listen, Psalms 32, 9 says, don't be stubborn like a horse or a mule. They need a bit and a bridle in their mouth to restrain them or they will not come near you. I don't know if you're familiar with animals, but there's two kinds of horses. There's a broken horse and there's a wild horse. A broken horse, you, you just, you hardly don't need, you don't even need to put a rope on the horse. You can grab it by the mane and say, come this way. And the horse will just follow you everywhere. How many of you know that's a good horse? But then there are other horses, don't grab its mane. Unless you're ready to go for a ride. In fact, those kind of horses, the only way you can guide them, you got to put a bridle in their mouth. A bit and a bridle. Now, I don't know if you know what a bit and a bridle is, but a bit and a bridle, it, the way it's designed, it's designed where they got this metal thing that you put in their mouth. You got to open up their mouth and put it in there. And if they won't follow you, you pull on that bridle a little bit and it pushes up on that, on that metal thing as big and, and strong as that horse is. You pull on that bridle and he's like, oh, oh, where you want me to go? This way? Sure, sure. Just don't pull on that bridle because it's painful. Well, listen, a wild horse is one thing, but a mule? As they say in the Cajun vernacular, shatty bed, a donkey. That ain't a good, that ain't a good riding animal right there. An, a donkey, a mule. I mean, if you say, let's go this way, they say, oh, no, no. And they dig their heels in and they are so stubborn. You can beat them on the back and they won't move. It's like, man, doesn't this hurt? I don't care if you kill me. I ain't moving. <laughs> Seriously, a mule is just like the most stubborn animal you will ever learn, you will ever get around. And what does the scripture say? Don't be stubborn like a horse or a mule. Is it possible for God's children to be so stubborn? Now listen, the thing about stubbornness is nobody can point it out because you're, you're not going to accept it. You, I mean, some of us, we have people around trying to tell us, but we won't listen. And we're going to end up in the ditch. And we're going to end up experiencing, like Romans 2 says, our punishment is going to be greater and greater. Are y'all with me? Are y'all hearing me? How many of you know God disciplines those he loves? And when he sees us going into the woods, he don't want to. He knows there's some tatas out there. Amen. And he don't want us over there. So the question is, what is the Lord trying to tell us? What is the Lord trying to tell you and I? What is he trying to change? What is it that, that he's wanting us to yield? Nobody's going to force you. God himself won't force you. He'll try to convince you. He'll try to encourage you, but he's not going to make you. Amen? 
Psalm 32.10 says, this is the next verse. It says, many heartaches await wicked people or stubborn people, but mercy surrounds those who trust the Lord. How many of you know it's always better to yield to the Lord? Amen? So here's a truth we must never forget. God's fullest blessing comes when you walk in the perfect will of God. And you can't walk in the perfect will of God until your heart is fully surrendered to Jesus. Amen? In fact, Jesus said it this way, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake you will save it. Amen? How many of you think that's good news right there? Let's stand together. I hope through this this time looking at God's word that it's convinced everybody in this room that, man, the greatest thing after worshiping God is I just need to submit to the will of God. Amen? Would you just do me a favor and just bow your heart before the Lord right now? Remember Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only who, he who does the will of my Father. The first step in getting in the perfect will of God is you've got to surrender your life. You've got you to be willing to live the Christian life. You've got to cross the line. You can't just go to church. You've just got to, with your own free will, say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And if you hear today, Everybody's going to be praying. If you're here today and you've never made that decision and you've never really submitted and surrendered to the will of God, I want to give you a chance to do so this morning because it is the greatest decision you could ever make. If you're here and say, today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm not sure, my Christian. I'm not sure that I've yielded and surrendered to the Lord. I, I see some things in my life that, that I need help with, and I need prayer. I need the Lord to, to forgive my sins. I want to live the Christian life. That's my desire today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? Sir, I see your hand. Thank you so much. Raise your hand. Just keep it up and just raise it. We're all family here, so there's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed about. Anybody else? Anybody else, just raise your hand. Just lift up your hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, listen, we're going to pray together. And I just encourage you to just pray this. Pray it to the Lord. Talk to the Lord as we pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for doing the will of the Father so that I could have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to live my life for you. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse my heart from every sin I've ever committed? I'm choosing today to live the Christian life. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me in your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Like those of you that that lifted your hand, there's a card in your pew with, with a green line that says, I made a decision. I encourage you to fill out that card and either bring it to the information center in the lobby or bring it up here. 
that we have a gift for you. We want to give you some tools to help you get started. We want to give you a copy of the owner's manual if you don't have one. Amen? Now the rest of us. Come on. How many of you, whenever I said hard head, you, that, that sounded, that rang, that, that was a familiar sound to you. Come on. How many of you feel like, well, maybe there might be a little bit of that stubbornness in me that I need to yield. Don't you agree that we should all make a decision this morning, saints, that we want to totally surrender to the will of God? Can we just ask the Lord? Let's, let's ask the Lord right now. I know that all, all sheep have gone astray. There's a rebellion. There's, there's the tendency to want to resist and, and be stubborn against God's ways. But let's ask him, Father, we pray today. God, just repent. If you've recognized that in your life, just repent and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not desiring, to seeking, and learning about your will more. Lord, I want to walk. I want to live in the perfect will of God. I want to live in the sweet spot of life. Father, I pray today for everybody in this room, and I pray that you would release your anointing and release your power. Lord, I realize that some of us, we need a spiritual breakthrough. Lord, we've had this stronghold in our lives for many years and we need you to break its power and break its hold. And Lord, we're asking for you to do that today. Lord, across this auditorium, may your spirit, may your power, may your presence, may your grace be released in our life in an extraordinary way. Thank you, Jesus, for liberating us, setting us free so that we can live the life you minister to live. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Well, if you need prayer, if you want somebody to agree with you, just come up and we'll be up here to pray. If not, God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your afternoon. You're dismissed.